God has really burdened me with something, and that's the fact that in our churches today, in the church today, we as the people of God, we've come into a culture of feeling like the fact that I'm saved and I'm heaven-bound and I'm a blood-bought child of the King is enough, and we don't understand all the while that just because we are saved, just because we're under the blood covering does not mean that we still have to withstand attacks from the enemy, and it does not mean that we don't have to do what we have to do to make sure that we have closed all the doors in our life, that we've closed all the windows in our life, and we've given no place to the enemy. And so our title this morning is going to be Draw the Line. And I'm reminded of in grade school, if you'd see two people get into it, and they do like this, they'd say, don't cross this line. And then the fellow would step over that line, and what would he do? Don't cross that line right there. If you, if you cross that line, I'm telling you, I'm about to lay you out. And they go back, and they go back, and they go back, and they go back. And that is how we've come to do the enemy in our lives. Giving ground and giving ground and giving ground, never fighting for what God has given me, allowing the enemy to come in through the back door and steal all that God has intended for me to have. And so we're going to start in Ephesians 4 and 27. And the first thing that we have to understand is that God is sovereign. That means that he controls it all, he's over it all, he owns it all, and he can do whatever he wants to. But the enemy is not, and that means that he can only inhabit where he is welcomed. The enemy can only inhabit where he is welcomed. That means that if he has real estate in my mind, I didn't draw the line. If he has real estate in my marriage, it's because I didn't draw the line. If he has real estate in my relationship with my children, it's because I didn't draw the line. He can only go where he's welcomed. He can only inhabit where he is welcomed. Ephesians 4 and 27, it says, do not give place to the devil. That means that if the devil has any place in my life, who gave it to him? I did. The enemy, we, in church, we give the enemy more power than he really has. The Bible says he goes around roaring as a lion. He's not really a lion. It's all deception. He has no power. The only power that the enemy has is the power that I give him. The truth is, I hold the power. The Bible says that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. Therefore, I'm the one with the power. And the only power that the enemy has is the power that I give him. And so we have to do everything in our lives to make sure I'm not giving him power. I know who he is. I know he's already defeated. And uh, I know that I'm the one who has the power. People of God today are leaving the door unlocked. And when the enemy comes in through the back door and he steals everything that God gave him, when you try to stop him on the way out, he's going to say, if you didn't want me in here, you should have closed the door. And if you didn't want me in here, you should have locked the door because he cannot go where he is not welcomed. So if he has real estate in any area of my life, that's because I invited him in. And so there's four ways that we're going to talk about today that we can give place to the devil. And we're going to look at that <clears throat> through the story of Nehemiah. So we'll start in Nehemiah 2 and 2 through 5. 
So the king said to me, this is Nehemiah talking, why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart, and I was overwhelmed with fear. And replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lives in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, what is your request? So I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. So Judah is in ruins the place where Nehemiah's ancestors are, and he feels burdened. As soon as he hears news about this, we didn't start in chapter 1, but if you go back to chapter 1, as soon as Nehemiah hears the state that Judah is in, he goes to the king and he says, send me. He does not say, man, I sure wish somebody would do something about that. He does not say, man, I hate that. I wish somebody would do something about that. No, he says, send me. And so the first way that we can give place to the devil is through inactivity. It's through inaction. It's through seeing the plot that the enemy has and doing nothing about it. Just hoping that it will get better. Just hoping that the situation will work itself out. And we give ground. And we give ground. And every time the enemy crosses the line, we step back and make another one. And we give ground. And we give ground. And we're inactive. We say things like, it'll work out. My marriage is just in a rough spot right now, but everybody fights. It'll work out. And so we don't do anything about it. We don't plead the blood of Jesus over our marriage. We don't do everything that we have to do. We just say it'll work out. I know I have an estranged relationship with my kids right now, but it'll work out. It just needs time. The biggest lie in the world today is that time heals. Time just postpones. It doesn't heal anything. And you will give place to the enemy if you decide to be inactive. And you will give place to the enemy if you see the ways that he is at work in your life and decide to do nothing about it, you'll give place to him. You better spot the places in your life that the enemy is at work and draw the line. And say, devil, you will come no further than this. This is where it stops. I'm not dealing with this any longer. I don't have to. And you want to go no further than this. I'm drawing this line, and I'm taking action. It's time for the church today to take action. It's time for us to stop standing by idly while the devil takes all that God called us to have. God calls you to a life of victory here and now. You don't have to wait for heaven to have victory. God wants you to have that now. You have to draw the line. You have to say, devil, I'm not putting up with this, because you don't have to. You have the power. You have the power to take action. You have the power to build the wall like Nehemiah did. You have that power, and you have that authority through God. And so let's go to 2, verse 17 through 20. So Nehemiah takes a few of the guys that are going to be helping him once he gets down there, and he gives them a tour of the state that Judah's in. And he said, I said to them, you see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its cities have been burned. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's walls so that we will no longer be a disgrace. I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding, and their hands were strengthened to do this good work. 
When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and despised us and said, What is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? And I gave them this reply. The God of heaven is the one who will grant us success. We, his servants, we're just going to start building. Nehemiah understood that God gives the success, God makes the way, God gives the increase, but only I can build the wall. Only you can hold the hammer. God cannot do that for you. God will give the increase and God will bless it and you have the king's seal to back you, but only you can build the wall. Only you can draw the line. And we have to be like Nehemiah and say, I'm just going to start building. I see what's going on in my life. I see what's going on in my home. I see all of the ways that the enemy's at work in my life, and I'm going to start building a wall. I'm going to take action. I'm going to draw the line. We're going to go to 4, 15 through 23. We're skipping all around. But we can't stand by idly and not fight for what God has given us. And so Nehemiah begins building the wall, and his people begin building the wall, and they start to face some opposition. They start to have people come and threaten them. And he says, when our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. And from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and armor. And the official supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his own sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the one who sounded the ram's horn was beside me. And then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out, and we're separated far from one another along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the ram's horn, rally to us there, and our God will fight for us. So we continued the work while half of the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. Half of them were working, half of them were on guard. And at that time, I also said to the people, let everyone and his servant spend the night inside Jerusalem so that they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I, my brothers, my servants, and the men of the guard with me never took off our clothes, and we carried our weapon even while watching. Nehemiah said, look, if we're going to build this wall, we can never put down the weapon. We can never be not ready to fight. Church, we have to be ready to fight for what God has given us. Just because God has given us does not mean that the enemy won't do everything he can to take it. The Bible calls him a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come to destroy you. He doesn't have that authority. He just comes to steal all that God has given you. And the only way that he can is if we give it to him. The only way that he can is if we don't fight. Church, we've got to fight. We see all of the ways that the enemy is at work in our lives, and we do nothing. We pray that it'll get better. We hope that it'll get better. But we don't take action, and we don't fight. God has called us to fight. Nehemiah said, look, if we're going to build this wall, we've got to keep a spear on hand at all times. Half of you are watching, half of you are working, and all of us are going to be holding a spear at all times. You've got to be always holding the weapon, always holding the sword on behalf of your family, on behalf of your children, on behalf of all that God has blessed you with. You have to be ready to fight because it's a fight, spiritual warfare daily that we have to go through. So how do we fight? 
We have to plead the blood of Jesus over our home. We have to plead the blood of Jesus over all that God has given us. That's where our power is. That's what the way that we fight. And that's what we have to do to hold on to what God has given us. So the second way that we can open doors to the enemy in our life and give him ground is distraction. Like we just said, they never put down their swords and they always had men on guard watching. The enemy can get us so distracted by life, by taking the kids to school, by ball games, by all that goes on. We can get so distracted that we don't even know what he's doing. We're not even watching what he's doing. We're not even paying attention. We're distracted. And we can't, Muhammad Ali says, you can't hit what you can't see. And we're looking at everything but the enemy. We're watching everything except for what he's doing, all the while not realizing that he is stealing all that God has called us to have. God calls you to a life of joy. God calls you to a life of peace. God calls you to a life of victory. But you've got to fight for it. And you've got to always be watching. Parents in the room, God has called you to be a watchman on the wall for your family. Watching, ready, determining, hey, this is what's going to come in my house, and this is not going to come in my house. I'm not going to stand for this. I'm watching. I'm not distracted. I'm not letting anything go on to take my focus off what the enemy is doing. Devil, I'm watching you, and I know what you're up to, and I won't stand for it. We can't be distracted. Let's go to chapter 5, 14 through 16. What the, what the opposition started to do, they realized, look, we can't stop Nehemiah from what he's doing. So let's just try to distract him. And that's the same tactic that the enemy has for me and you today. Let's just throw a bunch of junk in there so they're no longer focused. They're distracted. Furthermore, from the, the day the king appointed me to their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year unto his second, 32nd year, 12 years, I and my associates never ate from the food allotted to the governor. The governors who preceded me had heavily burdened the people, taking from them food and wine as well as the pound of silver, and their subordinates also oppressed the people. But because of the fear of the Lord, I don't do this. Instead, I devoted myself to the construction of this wall, and all my subordinates were gathered there for the work. We didn't buy any land. He said, I'm not distracted. I'm not fooling with all that. I'm just going to build this wall. Let's go to six and two. They keep trying to distract him. They keep trying to distract him. They keep throwing stuff, trying to take his focus off. Sam Ballad and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let's meet together in the villages on the Yono Valley. And they were planning to harm me. Let's go to three. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing an important work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Why should I stop doing what I'm doing? Why should I be distracted? I've got a mission. I've got a mission that I've got to accomplish. I don't have time to fool with this foolishness. I'm not distracted. I know what I'm called to do and I'm focused. One more time, go to verse 5. Sam Ballot sent me this message a fifth time by his aide who had an open letter in his hand. He sent him another message. It is reported, he said, among the nations, and Geshem agrees that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason you are building the wall, according to these reports. You are to become their king. And have even set up the prophets in, in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf, there is a king in Judah. These rumors will be heard by the king, so come, let's confer together. 
And Nehemiah replied, there is nothing to these rumors you're spreading. You're inventing them in their own mind. All three times, they only had one strategy. The devil only has one strategy. He has no power to defeat you. All he can do is distract you. All he can do is cause you to not be watching, cause you to not be paying attention, cause you to not be focused on what he's doing, and he slips in the back door and steals all that God has blessed you with. Church, we've got to be watching. We can't be distracted. We've got to be focused. We can't be distracted on all that goes on in our lives. We've got to watch what the enemy is doing. We've got to pay attention. We've got to see what's going on, identify it. David, whenever Goliath came down, he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? He had to identify him. You can't fight a devil that you haven't identified. You've got to identify what he's doing. You can't fight an enemy that you don't know what's going on. We're not even watching, church. We're not even paying attention. And we can't win a battle that we don't even know is going on. And every day, the enemy is at work. And because we're distracted, we don't see it. And little by little, he takes it all. And we don't get to live the life that God has called us to live because we're distracted. Church, we've got to be watching. We've got to be vigilant. When the Bible talks about the devil, he says, be sober. Be vigilant. That means focused. Be aware of what's going on. you got to be watching. The third way we can open doors to the enemy is through sin. And if you go back to chapter 1, sin is what started all of this. The people of God had sinned, and so God had let them go into captivity and exile. And that's why Jerusalem and Judah was in ruins. That's why the wall had been torn down. It's because of sin and disobedience. Sin in our lives... It tears down the walls. It gives the enemy opportunity to come in. It gives him place. I'm reminded of Achan. Joshua and his army, they had the favor of God. And so everywhere they went, they were just whooping folks. I mean, they, they were undefeated. They won and they won and they won. They didn't know what losing even looked like because they were walking in the favor of God. And that's what it's like to live in the favor of God. But one time... They take a city over, and they say, look, Joshua says, look, this here, everything that we get from this city, all of the plunder, we're giving this to God. This belongs to God. Everything that we get from this city is not ours. It belongs to God. And so they made a covenant with God. Achan, one of the men in Joshua's camp, after they took it, Achan took a little bit of the plunder for himself. Didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew. But God knew, and the next time they go out to battle, they lose. And so Joshua goes to God because he knows something's not right. He knows what it's like to live in the favor of God. And God tells him, look, I can't give you victory as long as there's a sin that you've not dealt with. And until you deal with it, you won't have victory. Until you deal with the sin in your life, God can't give you victory. That's not his fault. God is a God of covenant. Everything he does is in a covenant. And if your child decides, the Bible says in Isaiah that 59 and 2, I believe, it says your sin separates you from God. Let's say your child decides, I want to separate myself. I'm going to run away. Okay, well, if your child steps outside of your authority, they also step outside of your covering. They also step outside of your provision. And when we sin, we step outside of the covering of God, and there's sin 
at times in our lives that we don't deal with that gives place to the enemy, that gives a foothold, as Paul says, to the enemy. Undealt with sin in our lives will leave the door open to the enemy to come and to steal all that God has called us to have. And in church, we've, we've given this narrative that God is a God of mercy and forgiveness, and that's true. God will forgive you, but you will still, forgiveness does not absolve consequences. You still have to face the consequences of the decisions that we make, and sin will always open doors to the enemy. It will always give place to the enemy. It will always give a foothold to the enemy. It opens the door for the enemy to come in and to steal. He's just waiting for you to slip up so that he can come in because that's you giving him opportunity. That's you giving him the invitation to come in. And lastly, the fourth way that we give ground to the enemy is through acceptance. Sometimes people, they go through all these steps we just talked about. And they're just sick of fighting. They're sick of struggling. They're sick of fighting the enemy. And they just say, maybe it'll just always be this way. Maybe this is just how it's meant to be. Maybe I'll just always have anxiety. Maybe that's just how God made me. Maybe I'll always have this addiction. God will just have to look over it. Maybe, maybe I'll never have a close relationship with my spouse. Maybe, maybe that's just how it's going to be. Maybe I'll never have a close relationship with my children. Maybe that's how it's just going to be. And we accept it because we're sick of fighting. Church, we've got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. We can't accept what the enemy is doing in our life. We can't stand by and allow it to happen and allow the enemy to take it. God called us to a life of victory. God called us to a life of abundance. God called us to that. But we can't live the life that God has called us to live if we keep opening doors to the enemy. Let's go to 6, 10 through 12. And this is the last attack that Nehemiah and his people are almost done with the wall. They're almost done, and they got one more trick up their sleeve. They're trying to stop, do everything they can to stop the work of God. And Nehemiah says, I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, son of Metabel, who was restricted to his house. And he said... Let's meet at the house of God inside the temple. And let's shut the temple doors because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. But I said, should a man like me run away? How can someone like me enter the temple and live? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy that he'd spoke against me. You know how Nehemiah knew this was a setup? Because any opportunity to accept and to run away and to give up is never of God. Any opportunity to accept that things are just always going to be this way, it's not of God. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that this is just the way that God made you. This is just the way that God made your mind. You, don't, you can't help but think negative. You can't help but be depressed. You can't help but be anxious. That's just the way that God made you. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God called you to a life of victory. You've got to identify what the enemy's going on, and you cannot accept it. You cannot accept what the enemy's doing and just live a life of lack and just barely scrape on into heaven. And I get so sick of people of God saying, I just can't wait for God to take me on to heaven so that I can have victory. God calls you to a life of victory now. You just got to close the doors. 
Of course you can't live a life of victory because you left the door open for the enemy to come in and take all that he wants. But he's only as powerful as you allow him to be. He can only take what you give him. He can only take what you don't fight for. Church, we've got to fight for what God has given us. We've got to fight for all that God has blessed us with. He gave it to you. He called you to keep it. But God can't keep it for you. You have to do that. Just like Nehemiah said, look, God's going to give the success. God's going to give the increase, but only I can build the wall. Only you can build the walls in your life. Only you can hold that hammer. Only you can do that. That's not God's job. That's mine. It's my job to take care of my family, to make sure that the enemy's not doing what he's called to do. And only I can do that. God cannot do that for you. And there's a misconception in the church today that just because I live under the blood covering, that I don't have to withstand all that the enemy has going on. You still have to plead the blood of Jesus. You still have to put blood on the doorpost. You still have to fight for what God has given you. Do you want it? Do you want him to take it? Because if you don't, you've got to fight. And I'm sick of seeing people of God today just allow the enemy to take all that God has called them to have. Living a life of lack. Not living the life of abundance and a victory that God has called them to. You've got to be the one to draw the line. For yourself, for your family, for every aspect of your life, God cannot do that for you and that is not God's job. But if you want to live the life of victory that God has called you to, you've got to start drawing lines. You've got to start identifying what the enemy's doing and say, I won't stand for this. I don't have to stand for this. I don't have to watch you take it. It belongs to me. God gave it to me, so I'm going to fight for it. But you've got to fight for it. It's the only way, and that's how we live the life that God has called us to live. So we've got to make a decision. We've got to make a decision. But do I want the enemy to have it? Because if I don't, I've got to fight for it. I can't be distracted. I can't be inactive. I can't accept it. I can't allow sin in my life to open doors. Because if we open doors, you can't be surprised when the enemy walks out with what God has given you. You're the one who left the door open. You're the one who left the window open. Of course he's going to come in. That's what he does. That's what the Bible calls him as a thief. We've got to close the doors in our life. We've got to lock the doors. We've got to draw the lines. We've got to build the walls. And we can't be distracted. And we can't just say, maybe it'll always be this way. Maybe there's somebody in this room that the enemy has lied to you and told you that this is just how it's always going to be. You're going to have to accept this. This is just how it's going to be. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to live the way that you're living. And God didn't call you to a life like that. God, God called you to victory. God called you to a life of abundance. But we've got to draw the lines. We've got to build the walls. Will you stand? Church, we can't continue to stand by idly and do nothing while the enemy takes it. God gave it to you, and God wants you to have it. But you've got to fight for it. And maybe there's somebody in this room that you say, you know what, today, 
Maybe God is already speaking to you about all the ways that the enemy has come in. Maybe God is speaking to you right now, identifying all the ways that the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has given you. And maybe you say, I'm going to make the decision today to fight for it. Maybe you say, I'm going to make the decision today to take hold of what God has given me. Because God has called you to that. God has called you to a life of abundance. And God has called you to a life of victory. And so, if anybody feels like, you know what? I want to take hold of all that God's blessed me with. I don't want to stand by while the enemy walks out with it. I want to plead the blood of Jesus over my home. I'm going to be a watchman on the wall for my family that says, this is going to come in and this is not. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to take it. I'm not going to allow the enemy to have it. I'm going to fight for it. And so if maybe you make that decision this morning, hey, I want to fight for what God has given me. I want to fight for what God has blessed me with. And we're going to open up these altars. Maybe you want to come and fight for it. And we have people ready to agree with you in prayer. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that this is the life that God calls you to. That this is just the way that God made you. That you'll have to live with this addiction forever. That you'll never have peace in your mind. That you'll never have joy. It doesn't have to be that way. That's not the life that God calls you to. You have power. And if the people of God, if we would realize the power that we have, we could walk in the life that God has called us to live. We can walk in the victory that God has called us to. Because we have that power. We have that authority. We have that victory. And so, if that's you today, these altars are open and we have people ready to pray for you that you want to fight. You want to fight the good fight of faith. And we cannot get weary in good doing. I know sometimes it's tough. We have to keep fighting them. We have to keep closing doors. We have to keep locking them. But that's the only way to live the victory that God has called us to live, is to build the walls, to lock the doors, and to give no place to the enemy. It's time to draw the line. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over this church family. We plead the blood of Jesus over this unity of people of God, and we say, devil, whatever you're up to, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Devil, we know that you have no power, and we will not be deceived. We will not be distracted. We will not be inactive, and we will not accept. We're going to live the life of victory that God has called us to live. So if, if it's a, a mental battle for anybody this morning, we speak divine protection over your mind this morning we speak favor over your family over your home we plead the blood of jesus over it we speak blessings and prosperity over you and god we take hold of what you've given us and we've given no place to the enemy this morning we're making the decision i want to live in the victory that god's called me to live in i want to live the life that god's called me to live and so we've making, we're making a covenant with you this morning that we're going to fight for. And just like Nehemiah said, we know that as soon as we start building the walls, we know that you'll give the success. We know that you'll give the increase. And so we're going to fight for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Draw the line. Go give the devil fits. <laughs>